I want to give you uh, what I believe is, is a word from the Lord for us as a church uh, this year, uh, a, a passage that is going to uh, help us to discern. Many of us remember what the Lord was saying to us last year, but those who wait upon the Lord will what? Renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles, and, and, and they will run and not weary, and they will walk and not faint. And, and so uh, all of us who stood on those things, what did we experience when the world was spinning out of control, becoming weak at their knees? We experienced the strengthening of, the, of God. Who in the world? I, I told a pastor uh, the other day, he said, well, how, things are, how are things going at your church? He goes, man, I, 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 there are a whole bunch of people we haven't even seen since March of 2020. I said, well, that, that happened too. But I said, but in 2021, we increased by 41% in attendance. He said, what? <laughs> I mean, we almost made a bishop say words you're not allowed to say. <laughs> he said, what? I said, yeah, God's on the move. And when God's on the move, he shifts people's affections. He changes their desires. They won't be governed by fear. They start to live by faith, and they experience the supernatural strengthening of the Lord. And that's what God promised to us. And so we saw it happen. We saw many miracles uh, happen last year. And we're so grateful for all that God did. People uh, had testimonies of God shrinking cancers in their family members, people being uh, set free, people going through surgeries and, 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 and miraculous recoveries and all the things that God did among us. Matter of fact, yesterday or the day before yesterday, I was praying for, uh, I tell you, it's dangerous to be a spirit-filled believer with a Bluetooth phone in your truck. Because, you, you know, you're just talking and driving. That's what I was doing. But, you know, you got to call some people sometimes. Man, and all of a sudden God tells you, hey, you need to call. And I had to call my, my friend Diana Clausen. She, she actually prays for many of you. If you've ever turned in a prayer request, uh, uh, you, would, you, you need to know that it's, it's women who stand with Diana, Diana Clausen every Wednesday who call out your name before heaven. And your breakthrough has come because there's some people getting in a private place saying, these people will not stand alone. And she called me and said, uh, you know, my, my husband's dealing with some stuff with, in, the, in, the, in the hospital. And then she said, but, you know, I don't want to tell him. And he's probably finding out right now. So, because Diana's in the room. I don't want to tell him, but I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with something. I've got a pain in my leg. I bumped it, and it's all swollen. It's, just, it's really painful. And I said, well, let's pray for Ed, and I'm driving down the road. And I'm praying for Ed, and that was wonderful, and we were agreeing for healing in, in, in his lungs, and that was awesome. But I, I told her this today, and she testified this to, uh, uh, today. I said, but when, Diana, when I begin to pray with you, a presence of God filled my truck almost wrecked. I'm like the presence, I, I was praying for her and it's like the presence of God came on me. And she said, instantaneously, God healed the issue in her leg and all of the pain left. I want to tell you our God is on the move and he's bigger than you think. He's also closer than you think. And so when I make some of the statements that I'm about to make uh, tonight, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I really, really try my best to not just Grab any scripture out of the Bible and lay it out there and hope. This actually came out 
of, of you know, in, uh, in June, the Lord spoke this to me of 2021 about this year and gave me a passage that will mark our year. And I want to I give you some instruction about how to steward when God speaks, okay? When God speaks something to you, you don't just read it once. You don't hear about it once. Matter of fact, uh, the Apostle Paul said, it is good that I remind you of some things, that I remind you. That means these are things you've heard before, but it's good that I remind you of them. And many times, when it comes to prophetic words or things where God says, I need your attention focused in this area, it's not something that says, hey, by the way, wasn't that first Wednesday in January good? I promise you, I promise you. Uh, By the time we reach March or April, you will have forgotten most of the words spoken here unless you revisit it. Unless it becomes something that you you say, God, I'm going to make this a focus and we're going to do our best and we'll probably visit some of these ideas on, uh, on Sunday morning in the months ahead as the Lord allows. If you have your Bible, I want you to just open with me to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, as I was seeking the Lord (laughs) back in June, we always get together as a, 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 generally speaking, as a staff to go on a prayer and planning retreat and laying out some things for 2022 in the month of July, and we did that. And uh, the Lord spoke these things to me, and now I'm about to release them to you. Many of them are personal. Some of them are corporate. Okay, many of these are very personal, meaning that, that... they will have a personal implication. Um, there is also um, a uh, uh, we we have some fasting guidelines which actually are going to have these prayer points on them. So you can actually save this and see this, and actually use this uh, as you go uh, throughout the year. But Isaiah forty four, we're going to begin in verse one and read through verse five, and then we're going to listen for what the Lord is saying to us. It says this, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I study out of the New King James, but this, uh, this, this really uh, moved my heart, and I believe it's going to bless you as well. It says, but now, when's this word for? It's for now. But now, listen to me, Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one. The Lord who made you and helps you says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O dear Israel, my chosen one. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows along a riverbank. Some will proudly claim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. This is a powerful passage that God began to lead me to supernaturally. As I was in a time of prayer, 
I was, I was calling out to God. I said, God, I need you to help me uh, to understand how we as a people uh, are to navigate 2022. I recognize some things about 22. If you have been around Calvary for a little bit, you know that my life verse is Isaiah 22, 22. The key of the house of David I place upon your shoulder. Whatever door you open, no man can shut. And whatever door you shut, no man can open. I will fasten you as a peg in the house of God. And I'm telling you right now that every time that we pray for people uh, to be, say, say, I would like to be a regional difference maker for God and we lay hands on them, suddenly when they use the keys that God's given them, God shifts atmospheres. Things change. So when I saw, we're, of course we're coming into 2022, I'm a little bit excited about that, but I don't want to overemphasize it. But I understand that 22 has to do with an open door. 22 has to do with a door that Jesus opens and he says in the book of Revelation, no man can shut. And get this in your spirit, Calvary. Get it in your heart, people of God. Jesus is opening a door for the church that not a man can shut, not the government can't shut. I'm telling you, uh, uh, finances can't shut it. There's an open door. You need to get this in your spirit. Say, there's an open door. And by God's grace, we're going to keep our doors open. Just bail me out if necessary. By God's grace, we're going to stand. And we're going to stand firm. And we're going to stand in faith. And we're going to do what God said to do in Jeremiah 29. Most of us know verse 11. Right? We know Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have to you. Right? We know that. But we don't even understand what it says before that. You know what he says? He says, he says, plant. He says, build houses. He says, expand. He says, have children. He says, he says, I want you to increase and not decrease. Guess where they were? They were in the land of captivity. They were in in the land of confusion named Babylon. If there's ever been a time where confusion has been reigning over the land, hello, it's the moment that we're in. But if you understand the open door, you know what you're going to do? I'm going to start a business. I'm going to go through this open door. I'm going to believe God for increase. I'm going to believe that he's with me. It may not be the best. Oh, but God is my help. I need you to get it in your spirit. You have an open door. Now, I don't want you to be presumptuous about what that open door looks like. I want you to understand the open door is connected to your obedience to the voice of God in your life. The first thing God says here is, but now listen to me. Church, in this hour, if we're going to step into what God has for us, We have to listen to God. You have to listen to him. Not just your pastor. I'm going to do my best to say what God is saying. But you know what's really important? That you understand what God himself is saying to you. You have to incline your ear and lean in this year. It's really important that in a time where God sets an opportunity to reach people and to increase and to take a step forward, that you hear what God is saying to you. That means that there will be times like right now 
We're in day one of a 21-day fast. You know what we're saying? We're saying, God, I want you to silence all the other voices. I'm turning down. I'm turning down all the other frequencies that have been keeping me from having my ear tuned. That's what fasting does. Fasting isn't saying, God, I I want you to speak. I believe God is always speaking. How many of you know that God never stops speaking? He is always, he always has something to say. After all, he's called the word. How could someone called the word not have something to say? The issue isn't God. The issue is us. And many times what fasting does, fasting says, I'm going to quiet my flesh so I can tune in the voice of God. So we have to do what is first here, which is to say, God, I'm going to listen to you. But who? Who does he invite into a conversation? I pray this goes deeper than words on a page. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you, but listen how he talks to you. My chosen one. When's the last time you let God whisper to you that way? My chosen one. Oh, listen, listen, listen to what he says. My servant. The one who walks with me and brings about my desires in the earth. That's what that means, my servant. The one who executes my desires on the earth. He says, my servant, my chosen one. You see, sometimes what we have done is we've allowed religion to create an artificial counterfeit space between us and our father. And when you embrace the, the space that religion tries to give us, okay, this idea of, oh yeah, God's far over there. And everything about the church is really, you know, for, throughout the years, coming out of the dark ages, you know, it was, it, was, it was so far away from the people. God is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to listen to me, and I want you to hear how I talk about you. Many times in life we go through tough moments when we find out the people closest to us have been saying things about us that aren't kind. You ever been there? But let me just tell you, that's not how your father talks about you. He's not talking about, about you behind his back. You know what he's doing? He's saying, hey, listen to me, my chosen one, the one who executes my will on the earth. And I love this. He says, the God who created you and what? Helps you. You should write this down. You were created by God. This is how the Lord said it to me. Maybe you should write it this way. I fashioned you with a built-in need to be dependent on me. I fashioned you with a built-in need to be dependent on me. He said, I'm the God who made you 
and what? Helps you. That means when he made you, he made something in you that was not as complete as himself. Matter of fact, he said, I'll even let you be aware of your incompleteness, but I want to make you completely aware of how, I, how available I am to help you. One of the greatest gifts that we have ever been given is our need of God. And God in this hour when he wants to use us in immeasurable ways to, I believe, become a pillar church in this community. That's his call, that we're going to be a pillar church, that we're a well of healing. As many of you know, we're, we're, we're closing on, on 20 acres of commercial property. Glory to God, way less than anybody could have ever imagined because we're going to have a place of worship where there can be 900 people worshiping. One day we're going to see a school built around the presence of God where, where our kids are taught the, the, the truths of this planet all while they're immersed in in God's presence I'm just going to show up one day to algebra just to find out what it's like (laughs) to learn algebra in the presence of God I'm telling you, I I feel some things. But listen, what we have to do in this moment is we have to say, oh, no, yeah, I'm the one who executes God's will and purpose, but I'm not the one who is going to walk around thinking I've got it all together. Because God said, I made you, and I'm the one who helps you. So if you're aware of your need of help, you are finally coming into alignment with how God has designed you. It is when you become aware that you will enter into what we were talking about on Sunday morning, which is to say that prayer must be preeminent. Remember that statement and let it echo. Listen, one of the highest forms of pride is prayerlessness. Oh, but when you realize that you have been fashioned by God and he is nearby and he has created you to need him, suddenly you are quick to bow a knee and to bend your life. And say, oh God, I need you. Isn't it amazing that God would give us the very thing we need, even in our deficiency? He's a good God. It goes on to say, a second time. Notice what it says, the Lord who made you, who helps you, says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O dear Israel, my chosen one. He says, do not fear. And then he says, again, the exact same thing. My servant, my chosen one. Why twice? Listen, if God says anything once, we we need to perk up our ears. But if he says something twice, boy, you better tune in and understand. What is God saying when he says something twice? Here's what I believe he's saying. He's saying identity always precedes ministry. He's saying before I ever call you to do something and experience something and bring change, I want you to know who you are. You're the one who executes my will in the earth. You're the one who I chose in this time, in this, in this region, in this moment to make a difference for the kingdom of God with the spirit of God, knowing that there is a God who helps, moves, heals, saves, and delivers. 
Identity always precedes ministry. And I want to say this, who we are determines what we do. If you live as one who, you know I'm chosen. If you just walk around, you know, God's going to call you to do some impossible things. That's why he brings it up. Don't fear. Don't fear. Why does he bring up fear when he's lavishing these compliments on us? I mean, we're just overwhelmed with who who he is and how he's speaking to us. The reason is, is because what he's calling us to is always, always bigger. Our need will always exceed in the kingdom. It will always exceed what we have right in front of us. It's always going to exceed. So don't think to yourself, man, when we get it all together, we're going to finally step out. If that's you, you're part of the, the, the minuscule part of the population, whoever, whoever does that. I'm telling you to, this year, you need to start stepping out and trust that there's a God who helps you, who will speak to you, who has chosen you. You need to step out. You need to take some risks called faith. And I'm going to live in faith and I'm going to step into some things that I've never stepped into before. And what's God say? Don't fear. Fear will be there. Why? Because what he calls us to many times exceeds our, our capacity. When I look at the plans and the things that I believe God is, is calling our church to in the natural, but oh, if you knew what was already happening in the supernatural. Man, those sleepless nights, you bet, what a waste. I could have gotten a tight eight hours if I'd have just listened to this. Don't fear. You're chosen. I've created you to need me, so lean on me. Now, fear is at the door because our need this year exceeds our ability. So what do we need in that moment when fear shows up? Here's what you need. Listen, this is really good. It's very basic, but... This is what you need when fear shows up. You need a word. Faith is how you overcome fear. You need a word from God. And the word I got that was going to actually, I believe, infiltrate the lives of the people who call Calvary home this year is such a simple word. It can have profound implications. It's found in this passage, and it's this simple word, thirst. God spoke to me that word in a time of prayer. I hear, I was like, Lord, show me. I'm dreaming about big things. And God whispers in simplicity, thirst. I'm going to give my people thirst. Do you ever, have you ever been so thirsty, you just didn't know what you were going to do? There was one time, matter of fact, it was the first time I ever met Ben Campbell over here on the side. Uh, I was in uh, Zambia, and I was with a team of young people there with Overland Missions, and we were doing uh, some outreach in Zambia. 
we had just played the soccer match of our lives. We were in, we were, I mean, remote, got dropped off by this paramilitary truck. They drove away. They said, you know, uh, your African pastors will lead you back. I, uh, we play this soccer match, you know, with these, these locals, because everywhere you go, they may not have anything, okay? It will be a thatch roof. I mean, I mean, they're not going to have hardly anything, but they probably are going to have a satellite dish with soccer on a television, at least one in the whole village, and they're going to have a field there for soccer, okay? Because mostly in the world, the, there is... A, a god called soccer, or well, they would call it football. And and so here we are, we're over there, and I'll never forget Pastor Joseph. So after we finished, and we're all tired and worn out, and we just had a little bit of water and everything, uh, he said, "I said, uh, all right, well, we we need to go back to camp. You know how how far of how far is it?" And, and I'll never forget. I did, never trust an African. <laughs> never. His brother looked at me straight-faced. He's a preacher. He reads the same book. He said, I goes, oh, it's a short walk. <laughs> now, I do want to tell you, at this point, uh, I believe it was day four without seeing a cloud in the sky. It was so dry. It was so dry. I was really thankful. Uh, someone who uh, is still here at our church, we call her Birdie, uh, she, had, she had put some uh, uh, like Gatorade in a... In a, in a pack, and we're like walking, and then we, we walk one hour, we walk two hours, we walk three hours, and then we got very thirsty, and we drank everything that we have. Now we're three hours into it, and I said, Joseph, how much further? Oh, it's just a short walk. <laughs> we kept walking, we kept walking, we kept walking. Matter of fact, on the way, this will tell you, you have no idea kind of the influence that you have on regions. We're walking down the road. A servant girl came out of a, a servant girl came out of a, uh, it, just a small opening in the bushes and met us as we're walking down this road at pace. And she speaks to our African guide and she says, my master would like an audience with you. And, and Joseph looked at me. It said, um, her master wants an audience with us. I said, who is her master? Uh, he is a Zionist warlock over this region. You know what I said after walking for three and a half hours with not a drink? No, we ain't going. <laughs> I was depleted. I'm like, no, I'm not going up in here in some vulnerable situation. I said, actually, send her a message. You tell him, come to the school tomorrow. We will meet him in the field. Did an outreach, and he was one of three Zionist warlocks who cut their beads off and gave their life to the Lord. And a deaf girl, a deaf girl that day, her ears, she had been deaf since, since a, a, a baby. I stuck my fingers in her ears, 18 years old. God opened her ears and loosed a mute, the mute spirit that had been on her tongue, and she spoke for the first time. And as you can imagine, ran headlong across the field after I lay hands, and she's like, now she's speaking and hearing and the whole thing. And I turned around to say, hey, look. And I turn around and she's running across, running home. 
What do you think a girl who's 18 wants to do? She wants to go home and hear her parents' voice for the first time. But I'm here to tell you, we kept walking and walking. Four hours, four and a half hours, five, five and a half hours. Matter of fact, I think it was about five and a half hours at, in when I met Ben for the first time. And I saw him there, and he was doing some outreach. And I, there was a stump, and I sat down. He said, what are you doing? I said, I ain't moving. <laughs> All right, we're done, guys. They're going to have to come get us. I'm too thirsty. I got a special level of resolve that said, you know, I'll just die right here. <laughs> They're going to come get us. Sometimes you need to experience a dry season so you get some resolve in your life. You've got to go through some things. And you've got to realize that your life absent the presence of God and the nourishment of his spirit in your life is, man, it's time that you sit down in some prayer and fasting and say, I'm not moving Till he comes to get to me. Till, till he comes and moves in my life. And I love what this word is. Thirst. See, thirst is going to produce a resolve in you. It is going to give a pace to your pursuit of God. It is going to suddenly begin to... There is something of the nourishment of God's presence that says, I must have it. And I love what God says here. In this word from God that will move us to faith when we are fearful, when fear is at the door, God says this. I will pour out water to quench your thirst. In other versions, I will pour out my spirit on the thirsty. I love this word pour. It's different than uh, just uh, uh, um, pouring, uh, like the common word. There's a synonym word in Hebrew. Uh, this word pour, it's not like pouring of water, like that. This word in Hebrew is usually associated with the pouring of anointing oil. So when God uses this word in particular in Hebrew, it is giving us an illusion that says your thirst is actually going to activate a move of my spirit in your life. Some of us have been going, where's God? And heaven's going, I'm just trying to find some thirsty people. And God says to me, listen, this is a word for you. I believe this with all of my heart. You are coming into personal revival this year. You are coming into the greatest season of personal revival that you have ever been in. I don't know if you understand what that... Uh, it's where God is doing something in you and through you and it's hard to put words around. It's hard to, to, to wrap something tangible around. It's where God begins to stir something. You wake up in the morning and you're aware of his presence. You're walking into these moments and suddenly, I'm not afraid of wheelchairs. They're afraid of me and I know it. 
And there's a thirst that says, I, I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just endure religious services absent the presence of God. I've got a thirst for the real thing. I've got a thirst to know God. I've got a thirst to walk with God. I'm telling you, listen, church, this is what the Lord will do in the last hour. There will be this sort of separating of wheat and terror in this hour where suddenly there will be those, oh, I just want the word. I just want to just kind of just float through life. I'll attend church and put on a good face and all the rest. And I promise you, those lives will not make a meaningful, eternal impact. Oh, but those who thirst, those who begin to thirst, God says, I am going to anoint you with my spirit. Have you ever had an encounter with God that left you different? It's available. And that's the open door this year. That's the first thing he says, I'm going to bring you into personal revival. Some of you remember what that's like. By the way, God's not bringing back Brownsville. He's not bringing back Azusa. He's not bringing back the Hebrides revival. He's not even bringing back the 100-year the prayer meeting that shaped and changed the whole world. Count Zinzendorf launched. He's not bringing that back. So don't try to remanufacture something you experienced, uh, you know, in, in Pensacola from 95 to 2000. And, and believe me, I'm in the same camp. In 1993, I know what it's like to have a whole city shake under the presence of God to the point where police officers and firemen had to be trained to say, oh, well, yeah, there's like 10, 15,000 people. You need to know what's happening in the house where people would drive night and day just to be in the city. Where you would go out to eat and you, you'd run into somebody at the revival and they'd say things like this. I'd never forget it. I said, you know what? Hey, where are you from? Somebody said, I'm from Missouri. I said, really? She goes, yeah, I'm here for, for the revival. Really? Yep. Me and my friend packed up everything. We left everything to be in the move of God. And we're here following the voice of God. Do you understand what thirst looks like? Oh, I tell you what, when you're thirsty, it'll cause you to do things that will cause people around you to question who are not after the same things. If they're not after the same things, they'll cause you to question. What? Oh, did you cause me to scratch? You're scratching my head. Why are you doing that? Here's why. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for an outpouring of God. And I believe, here's what the Lord is saying. I'm going to awaken your thirst this year. And I am going to meet it with a fresh move of God. An encounter with him that leaves you different. It can happen in a dream. It can happen in a service. It can happen in your car. It can happen anywhere he wants it to happen. But I'm telling you, God this year is releasing thirst on us. Because he wants to pour out his spirit and bring us into personal revival. I love this. It says, and I will uh, water the dry lands. And this says, irrigate your parched fields. For those who have ever questioned whether or not a churches have regional assignments, this is the answer to that. Why in the world would God take water and pour it 
I understand why he's pouring it on a thirsty people, but why is he interested in the land? Why does he say, I will pour water on the land? Now, I know that if we were living in an agrarian society, we would say, coming out of a time of drought, if the land is going to produce what it's meant to produce, we are going to need some water to fall on the land. So the water is falling on the people, but it's also falling on the land. Here's what you need to understand, that God is saying in this hour, I am preparing this region for a move of God. I am preparing Citrus County. I am preparing Northwest Florida. I am preparing this region. I'm going to pour out my spirit and there's going to be people show up and get healed. First timers. I mean, put that on your visitor card. Yes, today was my first time. I got out of a wheelchair. He says, I'm going to prepare this area. You know what that means? That means that sometimes when you drive in and you cross over that with Lacoochee River, suddenly it feels different in this county. Suddenly there's something different of the atmosphere. You go other places, you're like, oh, man, what is that? But you drive back into the place where God has assigned you, and you're like, oh, man, I feel like God's presence is marking this place. I feel like God is about to do something that's bigger than any one church. It's bigger than any one person. Oh, man, I'm not just believing God for a move of God in Calvary Church. I'm believing God for a move of God in Harvest Church and and Connection Church of God and Redemption Point, I'm trying to remember all these new names of these churches. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, what we are going to see is a preparation of the people who said, man, I've tried everything that the world offers. And listen, church, listen to me. If you try mixture, you're going to be miserable. Mixture is miserable. A little taste of the world, a little taste of Jesus, that's misery. I'm telling you what God wants to do is awaken a thirst in you and help you to realize he's prepared this region. He's preparing hearts. How's he doing that? Through prayer. Through the consistent prayer of the church. So we're believing God that this year is the year of personal revival. And that this year when God says, I'll irrigate your parched fields, he says this is a year of regional preparation. But I love this. Come on. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants. Oh, if you... Man, oh man. I was just with a whole bunch of young people in Cleveland, Tennessee. Miss Karen Wheaton preached a message about coming home. Her daughter, her daughter grew up in the house of God, but man got in a terrible place, left her husband, cheated on her husband, divorce papers were, I mean, I mean, they were already there. They just needed to be signed. It was at the last moment of the last hour and three years of night and day prayer. She's telling this story and, and her daughter then comes up and tells the story. And I'm telling you right now, what, what happened was, is as she prayed on in the last minute, it's like she finally came to her senses, came home, God restored the marriage or restored the family, and is using them in ministry today. I'm here to tell you, God says, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants. 
I know we pray for it often, but I have special faith this year that your prodigal sons and daughters are coming home. This isn't because, listen to me, this, maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I'm that prodigal. I'm coming home. I love this. God says, I'm going to give you personal revival. I'm going to change the atmosphere of the region and prepare the region. But then I'm going to do a work in the next generation. And here's what you, here's what you have to understand about this. This is where we begin to steward a fresh move of God. This is about stewarding a fresh move of God. This is, this is God saying, I will pour out on your descendants. Listen, think of this. What if our assignment in this time where you're revived, where many people are being saved, is to walk a young generation into their very first encounter with Jesus? Their very first baptism in water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a move. And he's asking us, will you help steward that move as what? My servant. The one who brings about my will. That's what servants do. He says, I will pour out my spirit. We're going to steward a fresh move of God in a young generation. Let me tell you, grandparents, we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your knowledge. We need you. We need, you. We need your voice. Seniors, you're not done. Are you breathing? You're here. Some of you, we need to check your pulse right now. Some of you. But if you're breathing and then you're alive, we need you in this hour. God doesn't call a young generation to steward a move of God in their generation. Guess who he calls? Those he's touched before and moved in before and taught and raised up. He says, I'm going to use the wisdom that's in you. Oh, man, what if you're the one that raises up the next Billy Graham? What if you're the one that raises up the next missionary that sees millions of people one to Christ in Africa? What if you're the one? Will you be the one? Don't just disqualify yourself and say, oh, no, God's done with me as soon as I started collecting my 401k nonsense <laughs> we got a steward a fresh move of God and we're all in it'll be in prayer reach counsel wisdom groups it's going to be all throughout and I love this he says this I will bless your children. I will bless your children. Do you know how comforting it is as a parent to know God says, I'll cause my favor to come upon them. I'll bless them. I'll take care of them. I'll move in them. You do what I tell you to do, but I'm going to bless your children. Some of you are worried. Man, I'm praying my kids don't do what I did. You think, man, that's, that's probably what's going to happen. No. God's saying, no. I'm going to bring you into personal revival. You're not carrying any shame. 
I'm going I'm to create an atmosphere in the land where, where your children grow up in the presence of God. And then when we're stewarding it in a multi-generational approach, then he says, I'm the one that blesses your children. Did you know that you're not just the one that's called to bless your children? But God says, I'm the God who helps you. I'll bless your children. And here's how that manifests. This is what you need to understand. Expectation actually is attractionary. So you need to do this. Expect the favor of God. When God says, I'll bless you, you need to expect God's favor. I know it's easier to cry and post. And wine on the internet. It's funny, they'll let you post that garbage, but anyways, I'm not going there. I want to help you tonight. I want you to begin to understand what the Lord is saying to us. There's an open door. Now, as the Lord spoke to me, this word thirst and led me to this passage, he began to show me these things that he's bringing personal revival, that he is, he is going to touch this region in a, prepar- in a preparatory way that is going to ready people for an awakening, that he is going to ha- give us a fresh move of his spirit to steward that requires everyone to get in- involved and that there will be a trust level that getting kids in the presence of God is going to lead, lead to the favor of God resting on their life. All of that is spinning around in my spirit. And Pastor Dave walked up to me. He didn't know we were about to go on the trip. He said, you know, last night God gave me a dream. We're literally about to pull away. On this prayer and planning retreat where I'm about to share these words with our staff. And he said these words. He said, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I was at the church. And there were two kids in front of me. One was named Thirsty. And I don't know the other child's name. The child with no name was a hindrance to thirsty. He would say things like, there is no God. And you don't actually believe that, do you? As I type this out, I guess you could say, this child was a seed of doubt. As they approached me, I I rebuked the child with no name. I told him to get out of here. Then I looked at Thirsty and said, you will live up to your name. You will have an insatiable hunger and thirst for the things of God. And you will be a trumpet of God. And all questions about what God was speaking that I may have had moments before were squashed under the weight of the revelation of what God was saying. I want to tell you, God is raising up Calvary Church to be a church that is thirsty for him. 
thirsty for the things of God and the move of God. And if you have heard that voice, maybe even tonight, you don't really believe that, do you? No, it's a child with no name that deserves to be cast out. It's not a legitimate child. All legitimate child, children in the kingdom, this is what God says of them, I know you by name. I know you by name. I've called you by name. Are you ready to be a trumpet? Let me give you these promises. Here's the promises over our church. You will thrive. We're not moving back. We're moving forward. I want to tell you, 2021 was the greatest year in our history in many ways. We're going to see even more souls won this year. You will thrive, Calvary. You will be planted in a move of God like grass and willows. You will be fully given to intimacy. You will say this out of your mouth and in your heart. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to... My identity is not found in who I could create or my vocation that I live in. My identity is in Him. I will be fully given to intimacy saying, I belong to the Lord. And listen, God said this. He said... You will be a house of honor. A house of honor. He says descendants of Jacob in this passage. Descendants. Do you understand what that means? He's saying, oh no, you're going to be honored. Why? Because because of the lineage that you have of consistently reaching out and loving people and teaching people the word of God and reaching and loving and just saying, listen, already your your name's getting out there. You're wearing our t-shirt everywhere. Make sure you don't act up when you do. People come to me all the time say, you know, I ran into someone from your church. Really, what was their name? I don't know, but they were wearing that black shirt said Calvary Church. Run into it all the time. And I want to tell you, listen to me, you will be esteemed. You say, how do you know you'll be esteemed? Well, they may talk about us. Say, woo, that's aggressive worship. That's fiery preaching. Here's how they'll honor. But when sickness and disease come knocking, they'll say, oh, no, I know the church that prays and where God moves and answers. I know there's a place of miracles. I know there's a place where I can get breakthrough. I know there's a people who will believe God and stand on the things of God. Listen, you're going to be a house of honor because I promise you out of Isaiah 55, it says there's a nation that you do not know and they will run to you because God has set his glory on you. And then lastly, this is what he said. This is so good. You'll be known as mine. You'll be known as mine. This is how we step into what God has for us. I don't know about you, man, but I'm believing for double this year. I want to see double. I can remember this. There was a few years ago, the Lord said, I want you to regularly pray for a thousand souls. And we did that when we, we had Calvary corporate prayer, and it was on a Wednesday night. And we would regularly pray for a thousand souls. That year, we saw 390 decisions for Christ. Are you kidding me? 
wait a minute, wait a minute. There are churches who see 20 a year. You say, well, you fell short of the thousand. Are you kidding me? 390 decisions for Christ? I'm believing for the greatest year of soul winning, the greatest year of a move of God, the greatest year of people coming, the greatest year of deliverance. I'm telling you, we're about to prayer walk this place. We're going to shut down some meth houses. We're going to stop some abuse. Uh, uh, marriages are going to stay together. Atmosphere is going to change. I'm telling you, God is putting some strategic things in our hearts to do to help you be one who can obey this and say, I'm one who can hear the voice of God. I'm one who carries a key who carries this regional transformation. I'm the one who carries this and I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to walk my street and suddenly people are going to walk out. I'm going to be praying for people in their front yard. All they were trying to do was just, just, just water their azaleas and they got touched by God. I don't know what you're believing for, but I'm telling you, it's time. It's time that we step out. It's time that we say, oh, God, you've chosen me. I'm your servant. I'm the one that brings your will to pass. I'm the one that when I'm thirsty, you come and you anoint me with your Holy Spirit and you satisfy my thirst. Lord, you're the one that makes open doors. When I go prayer walk in my neighborhood, boy, things change. They may not all come to our church. We don't, we don't have room for them all to come to this church. We need many churches, but if God starts to move in your neighborhood, your house may become a church. You may have a gathering on your street. You never know how God starts to unlock things for you. It's when God touches you. God's touch on a life is attractionary, and he'll, he'll bring you right into it. It's personal revival, regional transformation, stewarding a move of God, and expecting God's blessing upon the next generation of believers, whether they be 5, 50, or 95. There's probably some folks right now in their 90s that need the gospel in this county. So we're going to steward that move of God. I want you to do me a favor just tonight and just, just stand to your feet. I feel like I've said what the Lord told me to say. But are you ready to thrive? Oh, man. It's awesome. It's awesome when God starts moving. It's, it's okay. Listen, it's okay. Just remember me telling you this right now. It's okay if some of your friends say, I will never go there. They will. It's not our job to call the people that God has knitted to this house into this house. That's God's job. He does a really good job of it. One time he put up a billboard for somebody that we never paid for nor put up, but they saw it and drove right here. I'm here to tell you, if they never come, that's okay. There will always be those people who experience the overflow of the move of God in your life who, who just experience the blessing of it. And maybe they start to walk with God in their own way. We just know what God has called us to. We just know that God has called us to be a pillar church. We know that we're called to say, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to make 
a, a joyful noise unto the Lord. We're going we're gonna to see uh, the next generation raised up in righteousness. We're going to one day have that, that new worship facility. We're one day going to have that, that school that, that keeps God's presence as the preeminent thing that I believe will raise up the next generation of thinkers and produce something that this world has never seen before. I believe it. I believe it, but will you believe that it starts with a wind blowing in your own heart? Will you start with believing that there could come a whirlwind down looking to carry you to a new height, a new level, a new place? That's what God said. I'm going to pour out water on the thirsty 